good morning and welcome back to Ask Me Me, personal blogger podcast journey about myself, an older woman, 53-year-old woman, um, just coming to terms and finding out that I've been diagnosed under the spectrum, under the umbrella of the autism spectrum. And um, actually this week I got a bunch of questions um, as a result of my last podcast about parenting while under the influence of um, autism, Asperger's. So I thought I'd take a couple of those questions um, today and just answer them uh, as brutally honest as possible. Um, the first one was, and I'm not sure how to take this, so um, bear with me. The first one was about tantrums and how did I handle tantrums. And what I'm going to tell you is probably mind-boggling. Um, because people look at me sometimes when they've asked me before and you know the head cocks to the side and go really but the first question was how did I handle the tantrums and I had to really really think about it I've got four kids age and range from 26 down to 14 and I never ever ever had to experience that humiliating public tantrum when they were one when they were two when they were five when they were 10 when they were 15 I never ever ever experienced that the, the arms flailing the screeching the crying the kicking um, honestly I never experienced it I came close once when my second oldest was about um, six or seven and we were actually in a train museum and he wanted to buy all these trains and I just I said no and we started to have a minor meltdown and we left the gift shop quickly and we went outside and we talked about it and that was that but how I was able to deal with them is by taking every piece of information that I had ever come across from the before the first one was born even up until now, because now I'm dealing with a teenager, but I, I've got no complaints there at all. There's no attitude, there's no tantrum to be had. But I gathered every piece of evidence, even before my first child was born, and I just, I stored it in my head as far as tantrums, as far as what to look for, um, what to be cautious about, what to... Um, gather about their schedule and acknowledge as far as their um, what's coming because a meltdown you can always in my opinion always see it coming you can always feel it coming you sense it coming you you know it's going to be there it's going to erupt any second and you've got to try and rectify the situation before you're stuck in it and I had the privilege of being able to stay at home. I had my first child and I never went back to work. I basically turned on my notice and I stayed home for the first, you know, 16 years of parenting. And I, that's, I think, part of the reason why I didn't have meltdowns to witness as a baby or as a toddler because, and don't get me wrong, I fully support parents that go back to work. It's a personal choice. But I think that added stress 
especially in the mornings when you're trying to get yourself ready and a baby ready or a toddler ready and you've got to get out the door, I think that puts a lot of undue stress and pressure on a child. Um, and I think that adds to the amount of tantrums and meltdowns that a parent experiences. And as they get older, if you're still working, the stress of getting out the door in a timely fashion and on time, and, and because it's not just him getting to school, it's you know now you and him getting to school and then work, I think there's still added stress, and I still think there's a huge potential for a meltdown when you're you're pressuring somebody to do something that they just aren't mentally or emotionally prepared to do. And I think that has a lot to do with your meltdowns. You you pretty much you get to know your child and you can read their cues. The best time of day to take a baby or a toddler anywhere is right after their nap. They are in the absolute best mindset right after the nap. And who isn't? I mean, I you know, you take a nap, you feel great when you wake up. So I always tried to schedule whatever we had going for that day that was critical, like you know, going to the grocery store or going to doctor's appointments. To me, that's a critical appointment. You have to basically keep those. I would always try and schedule those after what I would perceive to be their nap time. Anything else was, you know what, if they got up in a bad mood, eh, we don't have to go to the park or in the library or whatever else. So timing is everything when it comes to navigating those tantrums. And like I said before, I took all that information I gathered that you have to read your baby's cues, you have to read your toddler's cues, you have to know their schedule, you have to understand their mindset before they eat, after they eat, before they sleep, and after they sleep, and just really go off of that. And I'm telling you, I, I never had meltdowns. Now, if I could feel that there was a possibility of having one, we were gone. So if I didn't have my food shopping done in 20 minutes, which is an art form, I have to tell you, I knew that there was the chance of a meltdown because kids are good for about 20 minutes at anything. And, and, and then it's, it's, you know, it's a risk after that. So I had my food shopping down to a 20-minute science. Anything beyond that, if I felt it was starting to wear on them, I, I was done. If, if I didn't have it in the cart then, we were gone. If I felt that there was some, um, not so much anxiety, but just restlessness, sitting in the cart, wanting to go, wanting to leave, then, then we were done. I didn't push my limits. I learned not to push my limits. I, I would walk through the stores and I would just see these parents with these kids. I mean, the kids were, they were done. They were just done. And the parents kept pushing their limits with the kids until it got to be so bad for the kids that they just, they had a total meltdown, screaming fit, and that was it. The, the parent gets upset and flustered. The child gets upset and flustered. And, um, you know, I would hear these basically open threats. They were useless threats in my eyes from a parent. If you don't stop this, we're leaving right now. If you don't stop that behavior, we're going to leave right now. If you don't sit in that seat, we're leaving then leave. 
You gave him a chance. He didn't take it, so you leave. But these parents that give these kids 37 chances and still have the same outcome, I don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand. It's like I, you know, you, you read about parenting. One of the first things that, that I picked up on and heard and read and um, acquired the knowledge of is follow through. And I think that's true with any relationship. You follow through with anything. And especially, and I, I hate to call them threats, but if you deliver verbally a consequence to a child, then follow through on that consequence after the first attempt at, at you know trying to make things happen. These parents that give mindless, open, endless threats. The kid knows they're not going to do it. The child knows that that parent is not going to follow through in their threat. They're not going to leave early from the movies. They're not going to leave early from the park. They're going to continue their shopping. I, you know? And you really can't blame a child at that point. So follow through on your threats. I always followed through. I after a couple of them, I didn't have to threaten anymore because they knew I was serious, but I also knew not to extend uh, my chances. You know, kids have low tolerance for some things, and you have to understand that and respect it. As they get older, it expands, yes. Now they're able to tolerate 30, 45 minutes in the shopping cart or, you know, through the food store or, you know, you got to finish this task before you can go outside. And don't make it a huge monumental task or list of tasks. But the tantrums, like I said, were very few and far between. I, and it's from gathering every piece of information I could grab my hands on and just putting it in a script. And it's, you know, people hear a lot of that from me, that we have a script we follow. Well, I have a parenting script that I followed, and it seemed to work pretty well for me. So when I tell people I never had to experience tantrums, they just kind of look at me like I'm a bold-faced liar, but I'm not, and that's just the way it was. So how to avoid tantrums? Just read your baby's cues, read your kid's cues, understand their schedule. Don't put them in situations where you know they have a low tolerance for anything. And just be willing to change. Be willing to have a schedule that allows for change. And I think that in the end, at the end of the day, you'll see that tantrums aren't an everyday occurrence. And they don't have to be. So my experience with tantrums was close to zero. But I think it's because I treated the child as a person and respected his boundaries. And that's what it comes down to in this whole world of today is respect and boundaries for anybody. So, all right, we're going to take a short time out, and I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, so we're back to asking me, my personal blogger journey of living with Asperger's. And today we're answering a couple of questions. I had a podcast uh, last week or 10 days ago about parenting under the Asperger umbrella. 
I actually got several questions out of it. So today we're taking two of them and we're gonna answer them. I just answered the one about tantrums. How did you deal with them? Answer is I didn't have to. So, and if you want more information on that, you can message me or maybe I'll do some more follow-up if I get more questions about it. Uh, the second question out of the parenting podcast was how to handle parental interactions. And I'm, I'm going to say that I think I understand your question. Um, how did I handle having to interact with parents? Um, and this one was hard for me because whether or not I interacted with parents, it was because and for my child. I was interacting with a parent because the child had a play date or interacting with parents because it was a birthday party. But you understand the scenario. So how did I interact with parents is it was forced conversation initially and especially with parents that I was meeting for the first time in a play group or a birthday party or it was always, hey, how's it going? And, you know, which child is yours? Oh, yeah. Mine talks about him all the time. They play great. Um, so in groups or in forced groups like that, where you, <clears throat> you know you're going to be making small talk about nothingness, as much as I hate that, I participated and tolerated. I didn't linger after the party, so to speak. I pretty much scooped up my child and said, hey, thanks for inviting us and left. Now, in, in terms of interacting with parents at the school level, in the beginning for me, it was different. My attitude was different than it is now because my attitude in the beginning was I wanted to be that parent that my child could <clears throat> rely on to be there. And so when he, when they were younger, so in preschool, um, kindergarten, first grade, whenever there was a school activity or classroom activity, I made sure to sign up to be there. Um, so in some cases, for some events, I ended up being the classroom mom, which I didn't particularly like personally, but for my kid, I did it. So I would be the classroom mom that coordinated, um, you know, activities like the end of the year gift for the teachers or the, um, well, they don't do it now, but the, you know, Halloween parties and the Valentine parties. I was always that mom that was on the committee, if not heading it up in the early years. Um, I was there for field day. I volunteered a lot at the school's the library and for um, special events I was always on the sign-up list but I did it for my kid so that he knew that I would be there and as things got more complicated with child number two it was more difficult for me to sign up and volunteer for those things. Child number two, my second child ended up being born, he was born special needs. From the second he was born, he was a special needs child. So, um, and that's a whole different podcast. Um, but there were always doctors 
and therapists um, every week for the first 12, 13, 14 years of his life. Um, so it detracted a lot of time from me being able to participate in school activities for my first child. I feel horrifically guilty for that. Um, I see now that there were other ways around it, but at the time I, I didn't think there were because my script told me I had to be that parent who was there for everything. And it, as much as I loved it, it was emotionally draining, but I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. I was there for pretty much everything. Um, my first child didn't ride the bus till he was in second grade. So I dropped him off at school and I picked him up. So I was there every morning and every afternoon. I got to know a lot of the other parents who did the same. And because of that, I formed a couple of friendships, but it was only for and through the kids. But I just, I had a really hard time clicking with those groups of parents because that just wasn't me. Uh, the groups of parents that I had to interact with were those parents that as um, soon as they dropped their kid off at school, they were off to the salon or they were off to their massage therapist or they were off to their psychiatrist or... Um, there was there there was a group of them that would go um to lunch and drink their wine at lunch and then go pick up their kid and i just i i just could not get into that so a lot of the parental interaction i did for my kids i really didn't do it for myself i hate small talks it was hard for me to even get in that click but i wouldn't change any of it um i made sure all my kids had birthday parties up until a few years ago, now they're not interested. They just want the cash, as you all know of kids with teenagers. But those are, um, again, the first couple of questions I got as a result of my parenting podcast. I would welcome any questions. If you have them, just direct them. I do have a few more that I'll answer in the next podcast. Hopefully it won't take me another 10 days, but I just want to touch upon those two items Handling temper tantrums and handling interacting with other parents. And I am grateful that you were listening. I honestly didn't think I would have this many subscribers or listeners this early on. So I wanted to say thank you to those who do listen. It means a lot that people think I have something important to say or important to share. So keep listening, keep subscribing, keep sharing if you can. And we will speak with you soon. Take care and have a fantastic day.